Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you. Uh, we've got an interesting show and a lot to talk about with a very special guest, one of my favorite broadcasters. I say that even when he's not here. Uh, TSN's Ray Ferraro is with us. Ray, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me, Aaron. I hope uh, hope everything's going okay where you are. And uh, I'm up in Vancouver and um, yeah. you know, we, uh, we just got, a you know, some restrictions laid down today from the provincial government. And so it doesn't matter where you are. Everybody's just trying to get through. Right. Yeah. We, Franklin County, which is where Columbus is, has a four week shutdown. Basically you can go out for groceries, the pharmacy work and that kind of stuff. What is, how restrictive is BC and what are they enforcing it? What can they do to enforce it? Well, right now, uh, the restrictions literally came down a couple hours ago. So uh, okay. in any public space, uh, you have to wear a mask indoors, which, of course, is the big one. Um, it's really different here. Um, for you know, I'm going to say generally speaking. So, um, you know, our, our, our provincial, the head doctor here, Dr. Bonnie Henry, says um, wear masks indoors and people will wear masks indoors. I mean, there'll be some yeah. that won't, but right. it's not a, it's not a contentious issue. It's just, you'll walk up to the door and somebody won't have their mask on. I'm assuming. And they'll say, you got to wear your mask. And the guy will pull it out of his pocket and put his mask on. So, <laughs> right. You, right. you know, like that's, that's the biggest one though. Um, uh, for some reason I, you know, I haven't read or haven't understood why uh, they don't have to in schools, which, I'm not sure why um, they're uh, they've discouraged uh, travel from um, uh, health unit to health unit, which would be like county to county. Uh, 
So yeah. like for the holidays coming up there, you're, you're, you're supposed to bubble in, you know, in, like within your family, uh, you're not right. supposed to go see people elsewhere. Um, and, and it, honestly, it sucks, right? Like you want to see your no, extended family, does. you want to see your friends and, For sure. but, but, you know, I mean, we just, we're looking around and aside from the, you know, from the health numbers that are, you know, that have climbed here, you know, significantly, uh, for the way it's been, there's also the economic and, uh, you know, and the mental health destruction that has happened. And totally. so, you know, people are trying to get their heads around it, but you know, like, I, I, I think what frustrates me the most of this era, not to turn this into something else, but is that sure. people don't seem to be able to understand that most of the doctors and most of the health officials they're even with their livelihood, their life work being in pandemic study is they're yeah. learning on the go too. They're doing the best they can. Yes. Like, yep. like some things are not going to be right and they correct them. Correct. And then there's yeah. this, this outcry of, yeah, but they said this before. Yeah. Right. And it was wrong. Yeah. And they've yeah. had time to learn about it and said, okay, now this is right. Do you know, yeah. like, I don't know why it's such a problem. Well, I don't and that's it. what the word novel means. It's new. It's new. It's a novel coronavirus. They're learning about it as they go. We, we have sometimes I think we have a really hard time accepting when an expert says, I don't know. And sometimes that's the only answer you've got. But yeah, it's it's. Well, uh, you know, it's funny you say that it even in the the world that you and I live in, you know, you get on a radio show, you um, you know, I'm doing, you know, I'm on a panel somewhere and it's really hard to say, you know what? I don't know. You don't want to sound like you're right. not informed, but sometimes right. you just don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like, right. I might say that in the next 30 minutes. That's actually a pretty decent chance. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> Oh no, I've gave you an out now. <laughs> I gave you, I gave you an out. Uh, how's the family? Uh, let me get to that before we delve into the hockey stuff. Is, is everybody with, with you, uh, well and thriving? Yeah, they are. Uh, I've got kind of a, a crazy household. I have a 32 and a 29 year old, the 32 year old and his wife, they have two kids and um, they live with us. And so we see them all the time that, you know, it's funny, you know, you have kids and then when you have a grandchild or two, it's almost like you forget how great it is to have kids because the grandkids are yes. the very yes. best. There is nothing better than feeding awesome. a four-year-old ice cream at 10 in the morning. It's the best. Yes. And, and right. my son will go, dad, seriously. And I'm like, yeah, he asked, it's not a big bowl. And you know, so, right. so that's him landing right. my, my 29 right. year old, the hockey player. Uh, he just landed in Germany yeah. um, two days ago. So he had nice. to do his COVID testing and he's getting started there, which he's very thankful to be, to be doing. And then, my wife, Cammie uh, Granado, who um, is uh, like, like many, many guys' wives, uh, holds, the, holds the whole show together here. Um, she's right. been incredibly busy um, uh, doing her. She's a scout with the Seattle Kraken. So she was doing yep. all that stuff during the bubble work and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And she's doing just finishing some more of it now. Um, she's putting the finishing touches on a children's book. She has a, a really cool initiative with a company wow. called Fi flip give. And they're, they have 500 grants 
that they're giving to girls uh, to help them play hockey. You apply uh, through FlipGive, and um, they're giving away uh, money to help kids explore and stay in the game of hockey. It's really a, an awesome thing. Wow. Cammy's, uh, you know, she put her herself on the back burner for you know 13 years we have a 13 year old and a 10 year old and uh, you know back in the day there was nobody talking about a brand but her brand went on hiatus yeah. and now people are finding out again what cami has to offer the world of hockey and um i'm super proud of her and uh but she is crazy busy i go around at aaron i clean the house and she's she's working like crazy i got nothing to do so until the world junior tournament right. starts so pretty quickly but i'll tell you there's not many houses cleaner than ours right now i've got nothing to do you're unbelievable <laughs> with you're a broom and a vacuum i'm pretty damn good that's fantastic that's fantastic so there there is some hockey news sort of these last couple of days where the the players in the the league are trying to get trying to figure out when they can start this thing and try to figure out how it's going to work they did have the the uh, memo of understanding um, but the owners have come back and asked for some tweaks to that. Now, there was talk that they wanted to prorate the salaries, which I I just I could not believe that that's something that somehow slipped through the the legal discussions. It turns out it wasn't that. They're just looking to defer some of those salaries, maybe up to twenty six percent of salaries deferred. They're looking for more escrow. Uh, it still feels like it's. It's it's not toxic like it had been. I Fair and Bettman are still speaking daily, according to uh, Pierre LeBrun, TSN's Le, and and the Athletics Pierre LeBrun. Um, so they're still talking, but it's it's a little saltier now than it was in the spring. What are your thoughts on on where this stands? I, I keep coming back to the idea of of just imagine if the players had gone to the owners and said, "We'd like to redo some of this stuff," and the laughing that would have incurred. There, I, I get it. That's it's a slight different uh, scenario coming the other direction. Uh, but your thoughts on on these last few days and what this might hold, Aaron? There is nothing that can be asked or suggested uh, that surprises me in 2020. Like with with the yeah. pandemic and the effects of it, um, there there literally is nothing that surprises me. Like when I first read that, uh, you know, looking for the deferment of salaries. Uh, you know, when I first saw that it was, uh, you know, they were looking for uh, a rebate, uh, I was like, there was no chance. Like that is, that is ludicrous. But of course that's not what it is. It's a deferral. To me, it sounds like there's a deal to be made, but as a player who went through a lockout, a strike, um, and I retired just before the next lockout, um, after a while, it, it kind of rubs you the wrong way, like a rock in your shoe that's always there, that why are you always the safety net? Why are you always the place that the negotiation has to be started at? Why are you always being asked for something and then you've got to claw back and try and get something in trade for what the owners want that you didn't even have in the first place? Yeah, yeah. And so... Like the players, I, I, I don't, you know, I haven't spoken to any of them, but I know this is the case is that they are thinking at this point, wait a minute, we had agreed on something. Now 
they asked for, you know, we'd agreed on the, uh, on the new collective bargaining agreement with the, the way that escrow had been scaled out, the way that the flat cap was, all of that stuff. Now we're being asked for uh, another 16% deferment. Because we're not going to give you 16%, we're going to negotiate that down to yeah. a new number. Pick the number, whatever you want, 10%, 8%, 6%, whatever it is. And we're going to get something for that. But we have to negotiate off something that we didn't have yet. Yeah. That it feels like you were assuming, you being the owners, you were assuming that this is already done and now we'll give back so the number is better. Give back of what? We haven't even agreed to anything yet. Yeah. And yeah. that's where this will rub the players the wrong way. However, as I said earlier, nothing surprises me, Aaron, because you know, we can say, oh, these guys are billionaires and they are. And for, you know, I live in Vancouver and uh, the Aquilini family owns the, uh, owns the Canucks and Tom Gallardi yep. owns the Dallas Stars and he's from Vancouver. Most of both of those two teams, their finances, their family wealth comes from the hospitality industry. Yeah, which has been just devastated. By, by all of this, yeah. I, I booked a plane ticket today, my first one since March. I usually fly in the last 15 years, 150 to 70,000 yep. miles a year. I just booked my, so my point is I understand why they're looking for a deferral. And I, and if I'm the players, I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, so the choices we're going to have are going to be defer or don't play and get zero. Yes. Well, yep. I'm not a math major, but I can make right. that, I can make that work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't think this is because of given what the other option is, I don't think this is a death knell to the whole thing, but it's not going to taste very good. No. And I, I said on this podcast a couple of weeks ago that just talking to players, you started to hear the word if in there. And I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a a full-throated threat. I think it's more of a just floating the possibility because that's been mentioned too. Like if you want to go back on this thing, maybe we just don't play again. I don't think it comes to that, but I think the, the, the players want that card on the deck somewhere. Sure. Of course they're going to, they're going to use it and try and work that number down. Yeah. And uh, I'm a hundred percent in support of them. I don't think, I don't think I would want to do this either. Yeah. However, if the option again is zero, what will end up happening, like, you know, don't play or come up with, you know, a deferment number. I can guarantee you the stories that will be written will talk about somebody making, you know, the, the guys making 10 million bucks this year and, oh, they're going to lose the 10 million when they could have deferred uh, 2 million, yeah, you know, right. whatever, whatever it might be. I don't want to say those guys aren't important, but those guys still have years on their contracts at 10 million bucks. The majority of the league, you know, like the median salary is half of the league is under that median salary. Yep. There's a lot of guys that are going to vanish oh. every year. There's yep. 75 or so guys that never play again. Right. What if it's a hundred because next year they're still going to have to work on that flat cap. And so guys that were free agents at 2.3 million, they're going to go away and not come back and they're going to sign a player making 780,000. 
Yeah. Like that's going to happen. Yep. Oh, and yeah. so if I'm the players. I'm like, damn it. I, this tastes terrible, but I got to make it work yeah. and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to do the best you can. You can, you can be the toughest negotiator you want to be at the end of the day. You don't want to be so tough that you're standing outside looking inside. Right. Right. And the owners know that they know they've got that. That leverage. Of course. Uh, David Savard, Seth Jones, for sure, two players from the Blue Jackets in on those calls. The players have not had much to say publicly. I think one thing that both sides are being very careful with right now is to not come across like the baseball players did months ago, where when you're in, in the economic reality that this continent is in, this world is in, really, but uh, nor- I'll st- stick to North America for hockey's sake, people are scared to death of losing their business. We put a tweet out earlier with the R-Bar, the great hockey bar in Columbus, starting a GoFundMe page to to meet their mm-hmm. monthly expenses because here comes another month without hockey. People losing their jobs. They don't want to even have that discussion because it's always the players that get hit over the head when they start talking about how unfair the system is, right? To your point, no one knows who the owners are. Most fans don't and how much money they make. So it's always the players who have a dollar sign next to their name that become the easy target. But these two sides, I think within the next week or 10 days, we may have some sort of, they got to get going here if they're going to have any season at all. I think the hope of a January 1 start date seems pretty damn unlikely at this point, but maybe they, maybe mid January is a is mm-hmm. a possibility. Is is that uh, I was told. I, w- I was told from the uh, from the beginning of camp, whenever that might be, from the beginning of camp to the beginning of the, you know, of the season, they're going to need about thirty days. Wow! And some of that is going to be um, with quarantine, with um, you know, like in Canada, if you fly into Canada, you got to quarantine. Yeah, right. And so there are some quick tests now that move that along but you're probably going to lose a week or 10 days anyway, while guys can skate in small groups and things. That's not really getting in shape for training camp for a season. So it it seems to me more mid January. I I know there's numbers popping around. I have in my head, Aaron, 48 games. Yeah. Um, It's a familiar uh, number. You know, we've done that before and that you can do that in mid January. Um, As far as baseball, um, Somehow those guys got through to the World Series yep. and they award, awarded the World Series trophy, but they couldn't have looked worse every step of the way. That's right. Every step. Right. They looked like a bunch of donkeys, really, quite right. frankly. I'm a huge baseball fan yeah. and I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. So I'm hopeful that hockey will be able to, you know, to to move forward, move forward quietly and efficiently to come up with some type of way to, to have the season. I'm also of the mind though, that if they say January 1st and then they say, Oh, it's January 15th. And then it becomes February 1st. I don't know why people get, again, I don't know why people get all tied up. There is no absolute to any of this. These are every date that you read. It's a suggestion. Yep. It's, it's not, it's not in concrete. It's a suggestion. And, and I, again, I'm, Look, I'm I'm a pretty impatient guy, I would say, generally speaking. I think I'm getting better, but who knows? <laughs> um, uh, I I also feel like I'm, uh, you know, like I want to know the answer. I want to chase after the answer. I want that answer now. Um, 
I've learned that we're not getting that. Yeah. That's just not the way the world is. And it won't be that way for a long period of time. You're right. You're absolutely right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, another bit of, I don't I hate to call it news. It was certainly a promotion this week. The league, bless the league, they need some revenue. Uh, and they, they rolled out their reverse retro jerseys for all 31 teams and and the blue jackets jersey is it's so retro it's red which is a little hard to get your my your arms around for me uh the blue jackets wearing a red sweater it's got the old logo on it with the green stick down the middle at least it doesn't have stinger on the shoulder um it's not the worst thing uh but there's some weird ones out there i thought the ducks to me the ducks one is just absolutely hideous and i can't imagine anybody wearing it but I wanted to ask you, as a proud Whaler, Ray Ferraro played for the Whalers, Islanders, Rangers, Kings, Thrashers, Blues. You were drafted by the Whalers. It was your first team. And I, I have a good friend, Michael A. Race, uh, Columbus Dispatch, former colleague mm. of mine, who covered the Whalers back in the day and, and has just some wonderful stories. He romanticizes the Hartford Whalers, as, as many players do. What are your thoughts, Ray Ferraro, when you see that Hurricane, that incredible Whalers logo on the Carolina Hurricanes uh, reverse retro jersey. I got a beef with it. I wonder if you do. Uh, I had a bigger problem with it when they dropped it out of the sky into the regular season. Uh, was last it last year, year think, or the year yeah, before? Yeah. yeah, I hated it because they had done everything to distance themselves from Whaler history. Everything they could. And I mean, let's not be naive. The whole thing is about, is about revenue. That's right. And so they dropped those beautiful green jerseys with the great logo. And all of a sudden, Sebastian Ajo is wearing number 20, you know, and, and and I just, I didn't like it. The, as far as the retro jerseys, the fact that they're gray, I don't even care what they wear. Like, I think they're ugly. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. So they can go ahead and wear the, the whale crest. Um, I'll tell you a funny story because that, that, um, that logo is just fantastic. The H underneath the whale tail inside the W, right? It's just fantastic. Well, when we were in the minors in the American league, we played in Binghamton, New York and the logo, they just tipped it on its side. So it was a B. Oh, nice. And so we used to say we were a quarter turn from the NHL. <laughs> All you had to do was get that B over to the right. W when you were there. That's fantastic. But I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the gray of the jersey. Yeah. I don't, 
you know, um, it's it's the same as, um, you know, the the avalanche are using you know, yeah, the Nordic stuff. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I maybe I just happen to like that jersey better than the Whaler one, the Carolina thing. Yeah, you know, because I'm like, yeah, but I, it's the same thing. It is right. It is. You got to have you got to have part of your history somewhere. Some of the jerseys are awesome. Yeah. Others is you know are, are not so good. Now my ten year old thinks the Wild Wing one is kind of cool. See, he's, and, and he's probably right. You know, uh, so old guy he here. probably is. They're not selling those jerseys to me and you. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. Like those jerseys are to target younger people. Totally. To, hey, that's kind of cool. That's like there's a couple. The Minnesota jersey is a grand slam. Yeah. Like I think yeah, that's nice. I think it just looks amazing. I love yeah. the Kings one. You know, they took two oh, different jerseys awesome. and put yes, them together. Yep, for sure. Yeah. You know, yep. like the but some of them, like I don't know, did the Islanders change anything? Right. And some of them like don't it. look that different at all. Like they, they, yeah. Yeah. You know, the the Rangers went to Lady Liberty and I'm eh, I don't know. Right. You know, like the Islanders doesn't look much different either. No, the Islanders looks like the one that I wore in the game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, but I get why they're doing it. And Aaron, again, I, we all know it's about revenue and all that. Exactly. Stuff. Um, I, I think anything the league can do to drag itself by its own bootstraps out of being traditional, of being, hey, the way it's always been, I right. think that's a good thing. I, I agree. And I laid off, like, I didn't even opine on Twitter because it's like, who gives a damn if this guy in Columbus thinks they're great or not? The idea is if people love them, they buy them. The league is hurting right now. If the league can raise revenue. That's fantastic. Go for it. If you love yeah, it, buy it. I'm all good for it. Yeah. What the yeah. hell? What am I going to say? Um, let's talk Blue Jackets now. Um, this is an interesting team because they've, and we've had some good, really good talks about them at the rink, about where they're at and where they're going. Um, they, they took a step back last year. At least they did on paper. I think they overperformed by a lot of people's measure in the postseason, taking out uh, Toronto in the qualifying round, pretty good fight against Tampa in the second round a year after sweeping them. Um, but this is a team, there's a lot of proud veterans there. There's a team that I, it feels like to me, Yarmo Kekalainen's idea, and a lot of teams have this idea, is you keep, you keep your team competitive for as long as you can. Sort of the St. Louis Blues, I think, are the reason behind this. And then maybe one year it pops. And they've been close to the hump. They haven't gotten over the hump. I don't count a first-round playoff when it was great at the time and, and people celebrated it, but it's not the hump that they're looking for. Ray Ferraro, how big is the hump before this team? Can they get over it? Is it a matter of time? And how long do they have to get over this hump? How long is the window open before we start thinking of the Columbus Blue Jackets in maybe a different light? Well, um, the hump for them, the issue for them is that their best offensive player players are defensemen, yeah. right? Like Jones and Wierenski yeah, sure. are, are just fabulous yeah. players. I mean, it, you know, top end of the league defensemen. The issue for Columbus is never their effort. You know, it's generally not their goaltending. Um, they don't score. They don't score easily. Um, and that hump yeah. gets bigger and bigger for you as the games go deeper and deeper into the playoffs. So if you're going to make yeah. a run, you've got to have somebody you can count on that gets you an easy goal. Somebody that's no good that night has a rotten night 
gets one chance and it's in the net. And so yeah. they, they don't have players like that. The problem is, you know, like you can say it and most people know it, but where are you getting a guy like that? Like, where do you find them? Draft. Right. Yeah. And if you don't draft in the right place, then you don't get them. You know, yeah. it's like, it, you know, I do 30 blue or uh, Maple Leaf games a year. And, you know, the, the talk constantly there is they need a number one defenseman. Do you think they know that? They probably yeah, right. do. And they've probably gone around yeah. the league and said, hey, does anyone want to trade me a number one defenseman? And the answer is no. Because yeah, we need one. Yeah. Hey guys, we need one. Anyone yeah. can help me out? Well, the Blue Jackets are in the same thing. I mean, you know, the the goals are hard to come by. They don't come easily. The closest they have to what I call is an easy scorer is Oliver Bjorkstrand. And the reason I say that is because there are chunks of games you're like, man, that guy isn't even near the puck. And then he gets a chance and he can shoot it. Boom. Yeah. Right. Like restricted. that's yeah. an easy score to me. Like Cam Atkinson is not an easy score. His goals are more work related. They're more, you know, yep. you know, so you've got to find the easy guy, the easy scorer. Um, yeah. Their hump and, and how long that hump can be uh, attempted to be attacked goes a lot with the age of your team. And, you know, their best forward, of course, is their youngest forward or one of their youngest forwards, and that's Dubois. Yeah. Right? Like, they, yeah, the guy's worse. a phenomenal player. So if you're, you know, so what would Dubois be now? Is he 22? 22. Must be, right? Yeah. Yeah, 20, 22. Seth Jones is 26. Wierenski's 23 or 4. Like, those guys are young. That's the core of your team. The hump can be big, but because they're young, you've got a chance to climb over top of it if your draft picks hit. There's no question they're going to have to make a decision in goal. And I'd almost go to the place where, who can I get the best return for? And it might not be right away, but it might be during the season. It might be next summer prior to the expansion draft. I'm looking for an easy scorer yeah. back for one of those goaltenders. Because I, I got to hand it to, you know, to, to Columbus, like I, two years ago or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, now the years, but when what year is it? all the free yeah. agents were, yeah, you know, exactly. Like when Bobrovsky was leaving and, um, yeah. and Panarin was Panarin. leaving and, yeah. and, you know, people were losing their mind. And the only one that really mattered to them was Panarin. Right. Right. And, and, and I, I said many times as I talked about the Blue Jackets, Maybe, just maybe, the manager knows more about his organization than the rest of the media. Yeah, yeah. He didn't worry about Bobrovsky no. because of what they had behind them. But where the hell are you going to replace Panarin? Yeah. And, and we can pretty clearly see you can't. Yeah, yeah, that was You're not finding a 100-point guy. Oof, right. right. It's like they had made a deal. They had won the deal. Torts loves Panarin. Yeah. And, you know, so that all matters. And then he wants to go somewhere else. Like, yeah, what right. are you going to do? Yeah. And they did, they were, they were willing to do literally anything he wanted, but what he wanted was New York city. And there's right. And, and unless you, you can pick up a bunch of buildings, That's you can't right. do anything about it. That's right? right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think, 
you know, I think Columbus is a team built to always be a problem. I, you know, to whomever they're playing, I can't see them as a legit top end contender until they can find a way to score some easy goals. Yeah. You know what else that easy goal score helps you with? A power play that stinks. Oh, yes. Oh my. Yes. Unwatchable. It, they, they, they have to find a way to become a more creative power play. I find it to be, um, you know, a little bit, you know, they're, they're a little shy on the skill part yeah. of it, but they're a little Stagnant. bit too predictable. Yeah. And so the two of them don't, you know, they don't go hand in hand very well. Yeah, right. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What does Anderson out, Domi in do for you? It's clearly it's a different look, uh, different players. Domi's also a center iceman, so they're no longer Dubois and then a huge gap and they're second and the third line. Yeah. They've got Domi behind Dubois. We'll get to Koivu in a second. Uh, what does that Anderson out, Domi in do for you? Well, address the address the offense that you need to have. Look, I, I'm, I'm a Josh Anderson fan. I think he'll do really well in Montreal. And he's exactly what I think the Canadians would, would dial up as saying one of their great needs is size yeah. and, you know, and, and ability on the wing. They're a small team. And yet I you know, look at what Columbus has acquired in, in Max Domi and he's kind of what they need. He's a creative player. Um, he kind of lost his way last year in, in Montreal. Two years ago, he had an excellent season. Yeah. Um, he can create. The people around him become more dangerous, yet he just kind of lost it. And now in Montreal, they have uh, Phil Deneau, uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, um, and Nick Suzuki, who they got in the Max Pacioretty trade. Yeah. And right. so they've got three youngish centermen. There's no place for Domi, even though he's a very good player. So I, I look at Domi, he's more of a, for me, he's more of a pass than shoot center. Um, I, I, it, it addresses a, an enormous hole that's not easy to address yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, Blue Jackets also acquired Miko Koivu, free agent signing. I, I think the, the biggest part of this is it, obviously it helps their third line. It gives them a, a solid third line center, they believe. It also allows Boone Jenner, who's been a good soldier for this organization, has played center the last three years while Wenberg's sort of come in and out of his game. Um, it allows Jenner to go back to left wing, where he can just sort of strap his ears back and forecheck like the the uh, the farm lad that he is. And I say that to be complimentary. He is a he is a, f a ferocious forechecker, as you know. Bluntly, let me just ask you: Can Miko Koivu still play? You've seen quite a bit of him coming through uh, Minnesota and Vancouver through the years. What's he got left? Is it still reasonable to think of him as a third line guy on a good team? Uh, I would say uh, not as a standalone third line guy. Um, maybe in a shortened season. Yes. Over 82 games. That's a lot. You know, miko has got, I mean, how old is Miko now? Is he 37 or eight? Yeah, I think he's right? 37. I, I, 
okay, I played at 37 and there's, there are nights and I was a really well conditioned player. Like yes, I, you, you were one, like that was, I, I knew as I was getting older, I wasn't getting any bigger. I conditioning can't be a question. Um, when I got to my last year, there were nights I'd look at my legs and say, come on guys, I, I need more from you tonight. Right. And you, you can see where you're supposed to go. You know where you're supposed to be. You know the time you're supposed to be there, but night after night after night, your legs can't quite get you there. And so there's going to be some nights for Miko like that. He's a ferocious competitor. Yeah. He is a, you know, he is a, a glue guy in your room. Like he will, he will play the role that is asked of him and he'll give you what he's got. However, there's going to be nights where it's not there. The legs yeah. aren't there. And that's why I say not a traditional full-time third line center. Cause there's going to be nights where Miko's minutes are going to be fourth line level. Yeah. Like they're going to, that's probably not going to be the plan, but that's what it's going to be when, you know, when Torts takes a look and goes, Oh my gosh, he looks like he's 37 tonight. Yeah, he looks like he's right, exactly. Yeah. And it yeah. and it's gonna happen. I you know, yeah. there's there's only one undefeated player uh in the history of pro sports, and that's time. Yeah. Wins every time. Yep. And we're talking about a compacted schedule almost certainly, too. So that'll be tough. Um Elvis Merzlikens is a guy that we've been writing about and talking about for a few years, anticipating, finally came to Columbus. Uh, this past year, and and the fans almost immediately fell in love with him once he got going. You've known Elvis far longer. You've seen Elvis uh, certainly more uh, and longer ago than than Columbus fans uh, have. And you have always liked this guy. I remember talking to you about about him before he made it to the NHL. Um, tell me about Elvis and what you what you like about this guy and how fascinated you were by his his performance last season. Well, I was quite frankly, a little embarrassed at the start. I'm telling everybody how good he was and he couldn't stop a beach ball. Right. And, and you're like, and I'm like, no, he's good. Seriously? I'm telling you, he's yeah. like, he's going to, he's a legit guy. And then, you know, he started off terribly. And um, I, I thought the big change for him or the, the turning point, uh, you know, he certainly got a, a more regular uh, playing card when Corpus Allo went down, Yeah, but um, he got less and less busy in the net as the year went on, he was instead of like trying to jump all over the place right. to over anticipate the play, he was able to be patient in the net, more patient and let his athleticism do its thing. I, I think he's a really good goalie. I was super impressed with Corpus Allo during the, the bubble stuff, yeah. the playoffs, yeah. but then Merzlikens went in and he was great too. Yeah. Like it's a position of strength for them. Um, I don't know. I just, his personality, I don't know Corpus Allo's personality, so maybe I'm biased, but his personality screams starter. His, his mindset, his, there's an arrogance to him. And I say that as a positive, not a, because he's not a, he's not an arrogant uh, person. Yeah. Well, when I knew, like, so there's a lot to like about that guy, and he's a reporter's dream. He got lit up in Pittsburgh, 
and you walk into the room in Pittsburgh, and you know this well, um, when a goalie has a rough night, it can be hard to find that goalie in the dressing room afterward. Um, and that yeah, goes, they can disappear. Yes, that goes for just about anybody. Um, we turn the corner, and Elvis is standing right there in the middle of the room, and it's basically like, let's go. Like, look, I'm facing the music. And he stood there, and he talked. Like, he owned it in a way that, I, you know, you're thinking, my God, is he going to run back to – is he just going to sh- take the next flight back to Lugano? And, but the way that that kid stood in there and faced it, I was like, wow, this, this kid, this might happen. There's another layer to that too, Aaron, is that when you're sitting on the bench and your goalie gives up a stinky one, yeah. it go, you know, goes through him from the blue line – you want to look back there and have that guy, like there's just a presence to him that says, yeah, that's me and it's not happening again. Yeah. You don't want a guy down there looking for nickels, like scraping around you know, with his lip right. on the ground. That's right. You know, like you, you want your goalie to be like, screw this, it's my net, get yeah. away from me and I'll be fine. Yeah. And, I, and I see that in him. And now, again, you know, we've brought up the compacted schedule a couple of times. You teams are not going to be able to play one guy this year. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be too, too packed. And this, this could be a legit strength for Columbus again, yeah. Yeah. is that they're going to have two guys that, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to strain a groin. Somebody's going to go into a slump and they got another guy sitting right there. Yeah. Um, speaking of big personalities, We've had lots of talks about him at the ring too, John Tortorella. You, you have seen the multi, the the many sides of John Tortorella, um, and you find him a fascinating character. If I'm, I hope I'm summing that up correctly. Discuss mm-hmm. John Tortorella. Well, I got to know John when he wasn't coaching. Uh, he was at TSN for a year, and so we were expecting this loud, bombastic guy. Right. And he shows up for the first meeting and you got to lean in to hear him because, you know, you know what John's, he just, he's not a loud guy. He's just like when you're in conversation with him and we found him like gossip and um, uh, speculation. And, you know, that, that's all stuff that, you know, you, unfortunately as an analyst, you're you're dealing with, he wouldn't, he's like, nope, not happening. (laughs) And I will give you uh, the moment I knew that he and I were well-matched as personalities and that, that I found them to be just, I, I just, I didn't know. So it's his first show. It's the NHL preview show. About 20 minutes in, we're discussing all the Canadian teams and we're talking about Ottawa. They were very good at the time. And I say, um, you know, Jason Spetz is, you know, was still at the top of his yeah. game. And I'm like, I think as a coach, you got to give him a little leeway to turn the puck over because he's going to make, uh, he's going to make plays that other people can't make. And like, this is not scripted. I'm just saying this. Yeah. And Tort says, bullshit. <laughs> like we're on the air. And he says, he says, bullshit. <laughs> and we kind of stop for a second. And James Duthie, who is just a fabulous host. Yes. He turns around and looks at the clock and goes, oh, I win the pool, 22 minutes. And he kind of saved the thing and it went to commercial. And Torts was like mortified that he had done that. Oh, my God. He's like, couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself. Yeah. And so 
you know, over the course of time, you have a dinner here and a dinner there and you run into him here and then he's back coaching and, you know, exchange a note here and there. And, um, you know, he comes to Vancouver. So I see him a few times here for that one ill-fated year here. And I, I just, it bothers me so much that he, he can't do a better job at the press, at the press yeah. uh, conference. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't know why he can't. Well, to that end, Aaron, we had him on our, on our uh, podcast. Uh, oh, I heard that. Yeah. You know, uh, Darren Drager and myself yeah. have the Ray and Drake's podcast. We had John on and I asked him and he's like, I don't know. I said, well, what happens to you between the bench and the podium? And he's like, I just can't turn it off. And I don't know why he can't. And I hate trying to defend the John that I know, which is a fiery competitor, a really smart guy, a compassionate person, an empathetic person. Yet all we see is, oh, is that right, Brooksy? Or, you know, I'm not answering that question. Or to hell with you, I'm not. Like, I don't understand it. And I wish he could be different a little bit because that's not John, except the public perception is that's John. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and, because that's what they see. Yeah. Well, and that's what they see a billion times over and over again. Cause it's, it is, yep. it's good copy. It's good video, what have you. I always say this and, and like you have a relationship with these people you do. And, and you maintain relationships with them, but you're not buddy, buddy as a beat writer and the, and the coach. Right. Right. But, but you have a relationship and I've said this for years, like, the challenge, and I had Hitchcock for a while here in Columbus too. Hitch is so damn interesting in his own way; he's different than Torts. But to to the challenge in covering them is not making them the lead story every day because they're so damn interesting, and right. they can't not be interesting when they talk. You ask them a simple hockey question, and you get an explanation that a you never thought of. That's like so incredible. You can't wait to pass it on to people. And so they become the lead every day. And I'll put up with that sort of just incredibly honest insights. I'll put up with the occasional spout off back and forth when he doesn't like a question and you trade blows and you move on. I'll make that trade for really interesting copy any damn day of the week. That's that's where I come in on it. And other guys take it personally. I get that too. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's, there's so much more there and we've talked about it too. The, the stuff, the frustration he has where he just can't, you know, he, he just can't handle the, the questions after the game, um, when they come. The crazy part is he's not like if, if, if not that people are going to follow him around, but if you could follow him around, he's not a disrespectful person. He's very, like, very polite. He's respectful yes. of, yes. you know, like if you're in a restaurant, like he's, like he's, he acts like you should act. Yet yeah. I think this vision is that he's a raving lunatic. Constant, yeah. And yeah. and he's, and he's just not. And, not. and I'm like, there are lots of guys, and Aaron, I'm sure around the league, you know, and, and I'm not going to say, don't, don't you, don't you include John because you see him quite a bit, but there are guys that you just, you're happy to see like Absolutely. when you go into a city, you're like, Oh, I can hardly wait. Even if it's just a, yeah, totally. a hello and 
two or three minutes. Like that's all you yep. got. I'm like that in Columbus. Yeah. I, I I'm happy to see John. I'm looking forward to seeing him. We end up with, you know, a conversation that is about the blue jackets for three minutes because he right. knows, you know, my job. And then we end up talking about, I don't know what else. Yeah. You know, Life, like every, family, everything else. The and world. I just, yeah. yeah, I, um, my wife, uh, uh, sees a lot of similarities between John and I. That's and awesome. so she's quite entertained by it actually. That's fantastic. Yeah. And a lot of the times those spout offs are followed by private conversations. What the hell kind of question was that? Right. And then you explain it and you get along fine or it's a text message. What the fuck? What the hell are you doing? And then you <laughs> yeah. explain it and he's fine and he's always fine the next day. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Ray, we kept you far longer than we said we would, but it, it tends to be the case when it's a fascinating conversation. I thank you so much for doing this. I can't wait to see you in the rink again, uh, be that Vancouver, Columbus, or, or anywhere. Good luck to you at the World Junior. Um, that's always a thrill. I hope it goes well for you. Thanks a lot, Aaron. It's great to be on. I'm glad uh, glad you reached out, and um, I'm looking forward to the tournament for for many reasons. One is that I'm excited to go back to work. Two is Amen. I just love the tournament, and you know you see these kids for the first time, and you know, and and many of them, you know, become NHL stars. That's right. I had heard of Pierre Luc Dubois, never seen him before. Now I'm watching him in the World Junior Tournament. Now right. I'm watching him with the Blue Jackets. Like that's a that's yep. a great you know Seth Jones the you know, Seth was a uh, one of this team of players in Ufa, Russia, and you know we're in Ufa, Russia is a four and a half hour flight east of Moscow. Right, it's forever. Like, yeah, like it's forever, and then an extra hour. And I'm like, who? Like, how good is he? Like, I had never seen him before. Yeah. So I just love that stuff. It's awesome. Rensky the same way, and so um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope we get a. Um, some good news on, on the NFL and, or sorry, the NFL, I'm watching the NFL, the NHL and the start of, um, you know, of a season. And, you know, I hope the negotiations, I, I just, I just have to hope 2021 is a hell of a lot better than 2020. Yeah. Amen to that. I think it's going to be, I, I, I mean, it's so bad and so scary right now, but the, the news with the vaccine is really good. Maybe a few months from now, things will start to Get back to normal. We can hope. We can hope. We Thanks can so hope. much. I, I, I hope everybody's to, uh, well. Yeah, Aaron, yeah. I hope everybody's well in your house and uh, and with your friends and family. And I hope uh, yeah. the good people of Columbus are looking after themselves and each yeah. other. And uh, hope everybody's good. And let's uh, let's have a good holiday and uh, holiday season. And all the best for the end of 2020. Yeah, wonderful, man. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. All the best. Take care. Take care.